guys. Welcome again to another podcast, Amy Weber Unleashed. Of course, I'm your host, Amy Weber. I have a really, really interesting guest today on the show. Um, I've never met him in person, but we have had really great um, back and forth on Twitter. So I want to welcome David Weissman to the show. David, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, Twitter is kind of your main um, kind of social media place where you kind of, you know, talk to other people. Are you on any other um, social media platforms? Um, I mean, I, I don't have an Instagram account, but I I very rarely use it. And, I, and I'm on Facebook, but that's actually more for uh, personal stuff and family and friends. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to politics, definitely it's Twitter. I know it's it's funny. I had not been on Twitter for a really long time. And then I got incredibly political this past, I guess, season and um, had never even donated to a any political affiliation until this, you know, sort of past past election. And when I got on Twitter, I realized um, it is so different than Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Um, it is very political. And so I kind of wanted to get your backstory because I think you have a fascinating story how you really have come full circle um, when it comes to politics. So can you kind of like talk me through um, where you started? I know you were in the military. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for your service. And Thank you. yeah, just to give us an idea of how this whole thing came about with Twitter. Well, um, I was always a Republican. Uh, I was brought up conservative, religious values and uh, different things like that. And I really got speaking uh, politically I would say definitely after 9-11, definitely uh, even more so, I guess around uh, 2008, during no, the presidential elections, um, I started really speaking out of Facebook, and then um, the, Iran, the Iran deal came about, I really got, that's when it really got so taken off. I actually began being a writer for, a couple, for different conservative outlets. And, um, and then I started using Twitter and, you know, went from there. Um, I, I was very, very right wing. And I often, I talked about how right wing was, I was, I originally liked Ted Cruz. That's how, uh, right, you know, very right wing I was. I was a little part of a tea party and, um, 2016, I easily jumped shipped over to MAGA. And I often talk about how being in MAGA, that, really consumes you with the ideologies and uh, white nationalism and different things like, you know, the beliefs. I mean, the beliefs between Cruz and Trump were very, very similar. I mean, different policy levels, but like the ideology itself, um, fear of Democrats, fear of Muslims, fear of, you know, anything critical of Israel is anti-Semitic. Um, that's one of the reasons why I was Republican, because I, I believed in the tropes of uh, you know, the Democratic Party is anti-Semitic. Um, uh, different things like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of some religious values, you know, I, I used to believe in traditional marriage, different things like that. And a lot of the posts I seen was a lot of, you know, from Facebook and fear indoctrination, um, thinking that, you know, Democrats were going to take your rights away, you know, um, war and terror, they support terrorism. Um, so a lot of it is really based off of fear. So, you know, it was easy to really get involved of MAGA, the red pill, as they call it, 
Um, and, you know, I was full on pledge, you know, Trump supporter, you know, for New Year's. And um, eventually later on, you know, it, it felt like it was like social media warfare, you know, you, you, you know, he had that mindset of um, your rights being taken. Uh, I mean, you can see that's made with a lot of Trump supporters talking about their rights, their liberties, and, you know, they had that fear. And, and, and a lot of that fear turns to anger. Uh, and that's where a lot of the arguing, uh, the back and forth, you know, comes in play. Uh, because, you know, it's all based off of fear. Can and I ask you a quick one, question? Because I, I know you, sure. you had a, you know, obviously a change. But, um, you know, when when you were supporting um, Donald Trump and then when you were seeing these things come out, like the Access Hollywood tapes and some of the mm-hmm. other actions, um, how did you reconcile, right, like with, you know, his actions and... I just, I'm just, I want to know, because I always want to get into the mind, because I, I know, um, you know, I was very good friends with one of the women um, that did get paid off, um, you know, to, to keep her silence, um, you know, that had uh, some dealings with personal dealings with Trump, allegedly. And so I'm just, I wanted to know, at the time that you were a Republican and you were really into Trump, what did you tell yourself? Did you see the Access Hollywood? Did you think it was fake? Did you think it was make Well, I mean, yeah, yeah it was described as, you know, locker room talk, you know, that um, this is how guy is talking behind a locker. Uh, and, you know, couldn't believe it. Um, I never really accepted, like, I'll believe women. You know, I always read in the Constitution Clause of innocent until proven guilty, you know, and um, so I never really believed it. And, you know, I mentioned sometimes, you know, like, hey, I, you know, I was a soldier. You know, you hear a lot of the stuff guy saying behind, you know, the locker rooms, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. So, and a lot of it too also um, resonated, you know, a lot of the Christians and, you know, I'm Jewish and, um, you know, they say, hey, every biblical hero uh, had their flaws, you know, had affairs, had um, different, you know, they were, you know, they weren't perfect people. So we sort of like use that also to justify by, uh, you know, to, you know, to excuse Trump's behaviors. Um, I mean, we all knew he wasn't the saint. Um, and so, no, so he is like the Bible uh, and different, uh, and so locker room talk was like the biggest, was the biggest uh, justification for that. Got it. And then I know that you say that you were sort of a self-proclaimed troll. I don't really even know what a troll, <laughs> I'm sure I've well, been trolled. What is a troll? Can you explain <laughs> to me what a troll, a troll is uh a, a twitter troll is basically um uh trying to you know kind of reactions from people trying to paint them trying to get a response um calling them names calling them insults like if you don't get your way uh it, it wasn't really civil and that's basically what you know you know troll is you know you're trying to paint the person to get a reaction and sometimes i'll block you and you know and i was like yes that's like a good oh, that's a victory when you get blocked yeah Okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, and, 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 it, and it's true. Like when people, you know, when they say, you know, everything that they did was to own, own the libs. And I remember as a conservative writer, I used to write for a place called, you know, for um, an outlet called Reactionary Times. And I remember my editor in chief uh, at the time, you know, he's like, you know, the reason why I recall that because everything we do is reactionary. So, you know, we wanted to get a reaction out of people. Um, you know, that's why I mean, a lot of our responses was like very, very harsh up front, um, you know, antagonistic, you know. Um, that's what 
um, so you know, we do, you know, we did stuff like that to make you know the Democrats look bad. Right. Yeah, so and a lot then, of it, and so. then what was the tweet that brought Sarah Sarah Silverman into your life? Um, let's see. And um, I basically asked um, once asked why she liked Trump, and you know why does you know she is Jewish as well, and wondering why why she would not like Trump. He was pro Israel, you know, and. Um, she actually replied saying why she didn't like him, and I replied why saying I did, and it was actually civil, and, it, and it's kind of made me thinking, you know, that was actually a civil discussion. You know, this Hollywood elitist actually heard why I wanted to support, why I supported Trump, because you know we often often hear that many people in Hollywood, many people, um, you know, Democrats they don't want to hear conservatives, so um, that was like the first theme punk. Um, that you know, I realized I was you know false, and I then I started wondering, you know, why do the liberals believe in these crazy things? Like, why did I care about uh, you know, the immigrants over the military? More, you know, different different uh, talking points that Republicans have always touted. Um, so I, I actually asked her that. She actually told me you can actually care about immigrants and the military, both not exclusive. And and I you know and when she quoted me, a lot of her followers came and brought a lot more to the discussion, showing me, hey, it was a Democrat that created a GI bill, and that is something I'm using right now as we speak, um, a benefit that you know was created by Democrats. I'm like, oh, Democrats don't care about the military, and um, and then I learned about sinking asylum laws. Um, I mean, in this you know, different different keys and important facts that conservative pundits really don't talk about. Because when I, I mean, I, I used to watch Fox, you know, I've always watched Fox News growing up and more when I got not interested in politics and uh, the different conservative pundits I listen to on Facebook or other, you know, radio, conservative talk, radio. Um, so I, you know, I, and, I, and I figured these people were like religious people. So yeah, I never, I never questioned it because I never just think that, no, they would lie for a specific agenda. So right. that's why I would never, you know, question it. I mean, I always told the truth. Um, yeah, I think, it, so. I mean, for me, it's interesting because I don't, I don't think I really even associated with any type of, um, you know, party one way or the other. I know, you know, when you have wealth, usually you're going to do better under Republican um, administration and, you know, Democratic is usually a little bit more, um, with social issues as far as LGBTQ and, and, you know, uh, things like that. But I don't know, I guess for me, like I just really got involved when I had friends that um, were going down some really strange rabbit holes and these are pretty educated people. And it was hard for me to understand when someone was sending me a video that was clearly spliced together. I was in Hollywood for 30 years of, um, you know, these people supposedly, you know, um, eating, you know, kids and drinking their blood. And it, it just was so shocking that this person could believe these things. And so for me, like, I just always want to have an understanding. It's not that I'm trying to change someone's mind. I just want to understand, like, why does one person believe something that for me just, just seems so outrageous, right? And there's no real right. backing. There's no real proof other than, well, so-and-so said it, or I saw it on Facebook, right? You know what I mean? Like everyone's become sort right. of this armchair expert, but, um, 
but I know you fight now. I mean, I, I know that you've changed so much and I know how much you love your country. Um, I, I see it in, you know, in your tweets and I know how much you care about, I mean, listen, there's no, no one Democrat, Republican, independent that's, you know, perfect that, you know, isn't going to argue with someone in their same party or they're going to take the, they're not going to take the higher ground and they're going to say things that are going to, you know, piss people off. But I, I think on a whole, you know, it was so exciting for me to see you um, just come so full circle, um, just opening up your eyes and understanding that, you know, getting the facts Right. And really listening right. to the facts and the fact that, you know, Sarah Silverman was just not um, aggressive. Right. When she spoke to you and she wasn't um, mean, she just was kind of having, I guess, a really civil conversation with you. Is that accurate? Right. And that is very accurate. And you know, she listened to what I had to say and responded when she didn't have to. And, you know, it evolved into more people, not just her. I, I I give her a credit because she was like one of the first people to actually respond. But I have learned from so many people after that, um, you know, about Democratic politicians like President Obama, Hillary Clinton, um, uh, liberal values itself. And, uh, you know, it really won me over. It really softened my heart to a lot of uh, ideals. And in this transition, I, you know, I, I tell people how, you know, when I, I kind of, I left the Republican Party first because uh, I am certain, you know, I saw how a lot of what they believe in were lies and lying to people to keep people in power. And then I left Mega um, because of the passion that I received just for having dialogue. And I was like, you know, I don't want any part of it, you know, because I felt it was important to, uh, you know, we're all Americans, we should all have civil discussions. And then, and then, I, and then I started seeing some of Trump's corruption and some of his past, you know, with open eyes. Like, whoa, wait a minute here. He learned that he dodged a draft. Like, seriously, how, you know, he's supposed to be American person. He dodged a draft. He's supposed to be a patriot. And he dodged, you know, being a veteran, you know, that, you know, that sort of like struck me. Um, and then uh, after, you know, even after that, um, what happened with Ed Helsinki, he, um, meeting with Putin behind closed doors, um, putting our nation at risk. You know, even today, we still don't know what he said. Yeah, I mean, um, so that's sort of like put the nail in the coffin. And I saw, you know, how Hillary Clinton, um, I rewatched a, a debate about her mentioning that, how he was putting his puppet and I couldn't believe it. Um, and then, you know, that's when I was like, okay, I'm done, you know, no longer a Trump supporter. And then you know, more and more, you know, like his constitutional violations, his so much corruption, um, you know, told me that you know, I definitely made the right choice. The way he treats veterans, you know, so on, so on. I mean, it's not just, you know, one incident where, okay, he messed up, but he sold me that, you know, there's so many different incidents, and this isn't even before COVID. Yeah. So. Um, I, I think, I mean, for me, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is sort of people say, well, you know, people that are democratic want to take your guns away, but um, that's no, yeah, really that's not, one of the, that's not reality. Um, I, it's, no, it's, it's not. really, yeah, it's uh, people just want background checks. I mean, I don't think exactly. it's right. I don't think it's such a, a huge deal um, to say, okay, well, as long as someone is mentally stable and they don't have right um, bad, bad intentions, 
I don't understand like why wouldn't someone want to um, submit to a background check? I don't. I just don't understand. Like for me, it's just common sense, right? The the things that you have to submit, you know, when it comes to just getting a passport. I, I mean, these are things people right. are so freaked out, um, you know, about uh, you know pro life and children. But yet, how many kids have died by the hands of of guns that shouldn't have gotten into the hands of these people that were mentally maybe unstable? Well, that's part of the propaganda from right-wing media uh, Republicans saying that Democrats want to take their guns away. They don't mention that, you know, like you said, that Democrats actually just want national, you know, background checks, um, you know, and so like when I learned that part, I'm like, holy cow, like seriously? And I mean, I, I know even Professor uh, Sarah Summerman saying, no, we don't want to take guns. And I, it, it, everybody knows how far left she is. And for her to say that, it's sort of like, whoa, okay. You know, Democrats don't want to take guns away. And you know what? If you actually read the Constitution, you know, the fine print of it, and talks about, you know, well-regulated well militia. You know, that what happened on January 6th, the insurrection, uh, where there were weapons there, you know, that was that is a violation of the Second Amendment. Right. Uh, and as by Trump supporters. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you can't have, you know, can't have a cake and eat it too, you know, it's, you know, you got to stick with the whole uh, amendment, you know, there's fine prints to everything. Um, and so, you, you know, I kind of, my, you know, I've, you know, I've always cared about the Constitution, even when I was a Republican, you know, part of my mistake was not, one, I didn't read a fine print to it, and I've always took the word of uh, conservative pundits to it. So, you know, now, you know, I mean, I, I do like a few liberal commentators, uh, like Jordan Reed, you know, Rachel Maddow and others. You know, I think, I think they're pretty awesome. But, you know, I'm still going to go research the facts. Like, you know, the Ukraine phone call. Um, and I, I, I was, you know, I would agree that, yeah, Trump needs to be impeached. But I went and I read the transcript myself. Um, I read the Constitution about uh, political papers from foreign you know, the actual law that Trump wrote. And then I made my decision there. Right. right. Yeah. Listen, I think everything should be based on facts. I mean, even Tucker, Tucker, Tuckums, sorry, Tucker Carlson himself, you know, uh, will say that he is like an entertainer and that, right. right. So that's kind of how he gets away with things that he says that he shouldn't be taken seriously. But, um, on another note, were you in Afghanistan when you served? Uh, yes, I actually deployed there twice in uh, 2006 to 2007 and 2010 to 2011. Wow, thank um, you so much. Do you, do you, now you. that you see, you know, you were there, so you were seeing mm-hmm. obviously the preparation that, look, I wasn't there. And so whenever I'm not there and I'm not a first person, right, I don't have first person um, accounts of what's happening, um, did you, could you have imagined what's happening now that? I personally thought that we had gone over and we were supplying um, Afghanistan with state-of-the-art weapons and training and everything that they needed to basically stand up for themselves. Um, you know, obviously we were pushing our democracy on them. But I thought that's what they wanted. When you were there and, you know, you were seeing all these things happen, um, did you ever think that they would just not defend themselves and that the Taliban would just come straight back in? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I, I kind of knew that they didn't want, you know, they weren't sure how to accept democracy because um, so many years of, 
you know, tribalism, uh, you know, their, their culture. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, I was a traveling assistant and we traveled everywhere where the soldiers went to. Um, and, you know, traveling, the traveling actually met with the imams there and, you know, went to their bases and I saw, uh, and I saw our soldiers train them, you know, and, and I, and I admire President Biden, um, you know, that he knew that his decision, you know, it was going to get ugly no matter what, but yeah. after 20, you know, 20 years of being there, and they still can't defend themselves, especially when they outnumber the Taliban. I mean, they don't have to, they don't want a democracy, that's cool. But you know, they should still want to be able to defend their people, you know, defend their women, defend their children. And the fact that they don't, I mean, where when is when do they get the accountability? I mean, how many I mean, how many more soldiers lives does you know they um die because they don't want to defend their country? So yeah, look, I, you can. What's that old adage? I mean, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I mean, exactly. like you said, it's like I feel. I think for me, it just hurts me because um, I'm so. My heart just. I it just goes out to veterans out there that make the ultimate sacrifice, right, for the rest of us because you know we're just living our day to day life, and we're, you know I'm sitting here manifesting you know this great life and trying to help other people through this podcast. But it's really just through the grace of these men and women that you know came before us that said you know, we're going to continue to fight that you have those freedoms, and then you know these men and women, including yourself, go over in harm's way and try to do everything that they can. Um, and I just don't, it hurts me that sometimes people say like, oh, it's in vain. Right now there's a lot yeah. of people saying, oh, what what was that all worth? And, um, but look, I don't, I don't think you could see, necessarily see the future, but you know, this is a country that like you said, has had sort of this tribalism and um, didn't really have a democracy and they were equipped with everything that they really needed other than the want right? They had to really want it in order to fight for it. And then clearly they didn't want it bad enough because um, they just, I mean, even the president, right, just kind of jumped shit. And right. And I I don't know, for me, I just feel like I'm not there. What what would I have done? So people are going to be like, oh, screw you, Amy. But it's like the captain usually goes down with, right? He's the last person off. And so, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden this guy's like suddenly gone. I don't know. It, it was like really tough for me, but I just want you to know just from me that, um, I don't think it was in vain. I mean, look, I feel like, um, people understand that America is not going to take any bullshit. And, um, I feel like, you know, we're never going to be completely safe. There's always just going to be crazy, radical people out there. Even look, January 6th, we had radical people on our own soil. Um, Exactly. So we can only just be prepared for, you know, the worst and hope for the best and then kind of just get through it and be the best kind of people that we can. But for me, like I I love seeing you on Twitter because you spread nothing but for me just – you know, support for other people. I know it bothers you and people are sort of, you know, disagreeing within the same party. But um, I, I do love that you've, you're fighting now for for justice. Even people, when you see people have been maybe wrongly, um, you know, are severely beaten by, you know, you see body cam footage with the police and you'll kind of retweet that. So to me, it's like you're such a vigilante and it's really kind of an honor, yeah, to know you. And I, I'm curious because, you know, with politics, have you ever thought about getting into politics yourself? Um, yeah, I I thought about it uh, a couple of times. I 
I am waiting for the right time right now. I'm currently going to school, uh, working on getting my degree. I also got a uh, personal stuff I need to work on to make sure that um, I need to take care of. I mean, I'm, I'm still young. I'm only, you know, 40. So I, I got plenty of time to uh, really build on something uh, before I actually go that route. But yeah, I mean, definitely in the future, um, I do want to end all the politics. Like, no, maybe just not right in a second, but yeah, um, definitely. Well, I think if you can see like the difference, right, that, that you're making just on social media, which is just a small little blip, um, I kind of feel like someone that, you know, is willing to put themselves out there like that. I think a future in politics, even though you have to have a pretty strong stomach, right, to deal, uh, with, <laughs> to deal with it. Because like you said, that's no, an understatement. Yeah. I mean, no one's perfect. Look, I, I mm-hmm. you know, I've got my own. The people would bring up, you know, whatever. But I also feel like, OK, well, you know, this Bobert girl, whatever she, you know, got her GED. And you know what I mean? Like she has so much in her past. She's got a lot of skeletons. I feel like nowadays. I feel like even people that might have skeletons, um, if their heart is in the right place, right, and they really mm-hmm. truly want to help people and be in leadership in any leadership role to try to help make their community a better place, um, no matter what, I think if your heart is is there, then um, definitely you should you should go for it. I would support you. I know you're going to the University of Central Florida. Is that where you're at, or you're getting ready to go um, there? Getting ready to go there. I'm in uh, my last semester at Eastern Florida State, and hopefully by spring I'll be going to UCF. Nice. What are you going to study at UCF? Social working. Really? Yes. I um I I, I know how hard it is being a veteran. Um, you know, trying to get work and trying to provide for you know family, kids, you know, stuff like that. I know you know, and, and being pushed aside, and I. I you know, I, I don't like how veterans are being pushed. So, you know, you know, before I get into politics, I want to work at the VA as a social worker and help veterans, you know, stay on the right path and make sure they get the benefits they deserve. That's incredible. Listen, you have a huge heart and it's literally been my honor to finally have a really nice conversation with you and kind of get to know your story and for the world to hear your story. So thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. It's another episode of Amy Weber Unleashed. And until then, I'll see you next time.